Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. In agreement. Nah, we all look mad pale right now. Low Not key. Me. Chelsea doesn't mm. look very. I mean, kind of. you do, girl. For the sun what, hasn't been out like how what it should you be. Are no, no, this no. is what I am. A derogatory <laughs> way. This is literally what it, I am. There's no could, tan. She's at her base. Be bad. This is, this is my color. What I you for what I base. am. <laughs> no, I feel like it gets. No, really. Goodbye, Shade. All right. Well, <laughs> see, let me let me just stop talking. I'm not here to offend. I was saying I thought you looked good. Yeah, oh, you thought know, she's brighter Thank than you. that. <laughs> <laughs> this is my that's O.T. Listen, we, we do not condone <laughs> colorism. Reverse colorism. You guys say it's not a thing. I disagree. We do not condone <laughs> colorism on this episode, um, or at all. On red or reply. <laughs> Anywho, I'm going to jump right in, guys. I am going to, I'm going to leave Glenn on red. What? Um, and then it's going to take me into my reply. Oh, what? I'm leaving Glenn on red because Glenn is so flaky and finicky. <laughs> and you know, when you're like, accept your friends for who they are. And it's like, sure. You know what? Bitch? I love this roast right now. Fine. I'm gonna accept you for who you are. You ain't on time. You cancel plans. And you ain't on time. And yeah, you Glenn, have, you gotta be on time. You don't That's have a nice. concept of time. She really, <laughs> really in her brain thinks that like New York and New Jersey are like 15 minutes apart. So it, it just it, it it's just not, it just isn't gonna work. And it's not gonna work for me. But you know what? That leads me to my reply. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I have to prioritize me. Okay. I love my friends, but I need to show up how they're showing up. You late? I'm late. You ain't coming? Oh, see. I ain't coming. I don't think two wrongs make a right. It's I not think... about two wrongs don't make a right. I just know, I just know who you are. I'm not going out of my way to be on time for you. Like, why would I do that? And then make myself mad because you ain't on time. Mm. Now, if there are other people involved, I will not make them innocent bystanders to the shenanigans. But if Glenn tells uh, me somewhere at 7.30, I'm getting there at 9. At, no, 8. Not 8. You leave for somewhere to be yeah, there Glenn, at you really have to work on the time. I'm do actually you go, you on time. Time. When have you ever been Maybe on time? Maybe not with y'all. Oh, see what I mean? I need to prioritize myself. To me, being on time is a sign of respect. No, I'm actually, I'm usually a few minutes behind, a couple minutes. Um, But I thought, I'm like, do I really be late all the time? Yeah, I am. Giving everybody time. Am I always? Yeah, no. You know what? I take it back. It's not just y'all. I am. Shade was in the group last night. I don't know if you witnessed or you were reading, but I was supposed to meet some people last night at, um, 
8.30 and I got there at 9.30. What did I say? And then when I got there, everybody was like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. I'm like, why does everybody wanna go? And they're like, you just wanna stay because you were late. And they're all texting me like- how you come late and then try to tell people why do they wanna go and you're an hour late? (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's so funny now because people- Damn, it's bad. Whatever. I'll text people like, hey, just hit a lot of traffic. And they'll be like, girl, I know you didn't leave the house yet. I'm right. Like, Damn. You can't use that excuse every me. time. Yeah, like, come on. So, no. I, I'm just meeting you where, where you are. I'm not saying I'm doing it to be petty or vindictive or get back <laughs> to you. I just, I cannot frustrate myself. What the one thing my mom will say, and she'll she'll yeah, add a little a little a little twang to it, as though she was actually born in the Caribbean, but that's a whole other thing. Is when you know a ting, don't act like you don't know what that ting is. And I know you, girl. You're late. I'd be but... late. Like I'd be late to all my appointments, and I just be like, oh, train traffic, because I just be thinking, I'm like, I could make it there in thirty minutes. It's problem don't you also think you could speak to your friend and say hey going forward can you make an effort to be on time with we've, me we've had these oh you've had the conversation okay maybe 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 not that gently maybe maybe my i don't even mean gently i mean like gentle. serious like it's not joking when like, you serious. come and pick me up on the corner by the school i'll be there before you get there but that's because, because i lied to you i tell you the wrong time you think i'm ever gonna tell you the right time <sighs> I tell you I'm there when I'm leaving my house. <laughs> Come on, girl. But the thing is, I'm also I'm at this space where I'm not necessarily trying to change you because I don't know what's going on with you that's making you late. I just so be watch I be watching YouTube, <laughs> literally. I be like watching YouTube, <laughs> chilling, and I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta start getting ready. Damn. And I'd be like, but yo, the I can video get ready. Will be there when you I get can get back. ready in 15 minutes. I'm like, I can get ready in 15 minutes. Watch another video. And then I'm like, fuck, it's taking 30 minutes. Anyways. <laughs> so leaving Glenn's late ass on red, replying <laughs> to refining my sanity. Um, and guys. That was a good one. You're late. I was saying it was a good one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a good one. <laughs> late friends. <laughs> Check your late friends. I have, and they're no longer late with me. Oh, that's good. That's good. Except for Glenn, but we, I've never had a serious conversation with her mm-hmm. about late? being late. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really thinking about this like a lot right now. It's well, not nice not, because not, now it's not the I time think, to reflect. I think on your end, maybe you think it's like nothing, but on some on the other person's end. Maybe they didn't do something because they were trying to get to you on time. Maybe they that part. Maybe Listen. they cut something out that they could have done because they were trying to get to you. So you got. I don't think I've people. ever been late to a one-on-one. If I'm late to a group event, what's the big deal? Everybody else is there. Why are y'all pressing me? I was like, well, to then a just group say from the yesterday. jump, you're not coming at that time. Just say what time you coming. Facts. I don't think I have. Actually, I did reply. I did thumbs up it. Didn't I say when you say you're gonna come to something and you don't show up, just say you're not coming. Like, don't say you're gonna come. Why would why would you say you're gonna? Because sometimes I think I'm gonna come on the day that I said I was gonna come, and then I change my mind. How about it's probably better to under under promise over deliver. So say you're not gonna come and then pop up. No, 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 say I'm not coming and then pop up. Surprise! I'm here. You guys are so happy. Yeah. 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 And if it's a reservation, uh, we'll figure it out. Unless it's like something, you know, very exclusive, which probably is not. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I'm going to reflect on this. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, we'll yeah, talk like, to yeah. our therapist about it. I don't. Is it? <laughs> should I bring that to her? 
it seems like something is a man's foot. A foot? <laughs> Wrong. Really? <laughs> I think that is true. <laughs> really? I'm really shook. I'm like, for real? If it's a oh, if it's like an event in a cute moment, I will be there. I'm as as I can. Just dig the grave. Who's next? <laughs> Chelsea, would you like to hop in? I'm, I'm, I've been battered. I think I personally need to take a moment okay, to you need to take a rest. Take a rest. Wait, no, no, no. Go to the room where the Karens can cry. <laughs> right, go to the Karen room. I'm really like, because wow. Because no one feels here. That I'm you're really late. shook. I can't believe that just happened mm. to me. <laughs> what? Um. Okay, I'll go. I will reply to old housewives of New Jersey. Girl, you love that. You love that shit, so, bitch. So, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Look at Glenn letting out her aggression on me now. So, <laughs> so I wa- rewatched, and Teresa is literally ridiculous. Her kids are ridiculous, but also she's a really good mom in like a weird way. Like, probably needs some help with the discipline part, but. Who knows? I'm not a mom. I might be terrible at it too. But she just like keeps her cool the whole time. Like she, her kids could be total monsters and she just like is keeping her cool. Anyways, I posted about it on my personal TikTok. So if you'd like to see clips, Ooh, you can see them there. You, the you made a TikTok with multiple clips put together? I have a TikTok with 700,000 views. I know about that one. Yes. <laughs> That's your conspiracy one? Yeah, I'm like, girl, I don't think you're going to that. You can't really use that one as an example, Stace. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy one. But you went viral. You went viral. I, You're a viral moment. That's yes. not, that's not like a fun like party fact. Right. I got I, I got a lot of haters yeah. on the post. People telling me yeah, I was yeah, in yeah. full glam when I wasn't. Um, that was hilarious. <laughs> sorry, sorry that was actually like a housewife thing. Remember when they got mad at Kenya because yes. she said she was sick and she was in glam. She came in full glam. <laughs> um, uh, and then anywho. I. I am leaving on red. The election results. Ooh. Scary. So um, can you, because I was listening to a couple podcasts about this this morning. I was a little distracted and people were saying that it kind of just was like the run of the mill. It was like same old, same old. Like there was nothing super shaky. Maybe I misinterpreted. No, a lot of important seats that we would, I guess everyone on this podcast at least would probably want to go blue. Yes. Didn't. And I'm I'm not I don't have the energy to be misinformation today. So I'm That's not... fine. I'm gonna I'll, I need to do some digging because <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not gonna lie. But yeah. um but I do know it, it's quite it's quite it's a cause for concern. Doom and gloom. Yes. It's given doom and gloom. All right, I mean I'm gonna dig into this after this. Jesus Lord help me. Yeah. Or like not yeah. the right mm. number one, Texas. With that nigga Abbott. Well, so you know, I'm you know, I'm on the clubhouse. It's very interesting because it's so hard for a candidate because you have to hit it's still Texas, right? So like all the LGBTQ stuff, even black people are like not with it. Um fucking with their guns. Fucking with their guns. Can't do that in Texas. Shit, I'm in California and I don't I don't like people talking about taking away people's guns. At a certain level, okay, it's a deeper conversation, but yeah, I was like, um, whoa, 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 don't just throw that out there. <laughs> but yes, yes, I it's understand. okay, I'm... trolls, troll on. I'm Teflon <laughs> made. Mm. All right, Glenny, um, your turn. Well, damn, I was actually going to reply to going to the polls because it was like a 
like a beautiful like community moment your vote Everybody, didn't matter just kidding. yeah just i'm like damn it didn't matter i'm joking but everybody <laughs> out the girls were in the polls all of the energy i was seeing all over social media was like really amazing um the damn doom and gloom and, gloom. and i also it was cool because i had a couple conversations with friends that were telling me that they were not gonna vote and then they were like damn i guess I just realized my polling place is up the street. Should I go? Who should I vote for? And like they they went and did it, which is amazing. Leave that shit on red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what am I leaving on red? You know what? I don't really think I have it on red. I'm gonna also reply to okay, reply and on red actually combined. I'm going to Mexico City with my parents for Thanksgiving and I've been planning this whole like amazing itinerary for them. I'm trying to go to these like um ass restaurants and girl, these things are booked out and i was talking to my friend about it and she's like it's your people that are doing it the americans and it is yeah i know know it is tickets are very expensive now reservations for these places i want to go no but i'm saying i agree it's becoming a hot spot where tickets are expensive reservations it was never like that yeah yeah Yeah. it wasn't even like that i would say last year no no it's getting old listen when we were in, in dc and that lady was like Mexico City. I was like, Bleh. yeah. Oh my God, that was so funny. Polanco, yeah. yes. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm super hyped for the trip though, and like to take my parents there. Yeah, it'll be really fly and cute and amazing. And I'm just, I'm so excited. Um, hotline blings. Anything blinging for the girls? Honestly, it was this book. We were like, we all listened this to it on true. audio, right? Yes, we did. I read it. It was a page turner. Just kidding. I listened to it on audio. It was great. Yeah. Well, do you know, I, I listened to it in a day. Like, I had to run so Same. many. Wow. Audiobooks are great. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Like, yeah. obviously, very different than like the touch and feel of a book, but like, I wanted obviously to be very prepared for the interview and like, we really had, we were short on time. Yeah. So I was like, this is yeah. yeah. But yeah, that book definitely was, it was in our group chat. It was in, it was in another group chat of mine. And it was really just like jumping, like all the topics, eating, diet, health, being everything. It was just like a great book. And I'm so excited that we got a chance to have a conversation with the author, who is also our Black girl doing shit. My good sis, that's a Black girl doing shit. So this episode, our Black Girl Doing Shit is Danielle Prescott. Danielle is a 15-year veteran of the beauty and fashion industry and a graduate of NYU's Gallatin School of Individualized Study. A lifelong fashion obsessive, she was most recently the style director of BET.com. With Chrissy Rutherford, Prescott co-founded 2BG Consulting, which aids fashion and beauty brands and influencers on their anti-racism journeys. She dedicates her time to researching how feminism and social justice intersect with pop culture. She has been featured recently in Harper's Bazaar, The Cut, and Elle, and was named one of Ulta Beauty Muse's 100. Celebrating the most inspirational Black voices in beauty, She's also the author of the newly released memoir, Token Black Girl, which we're going to discuss on this episode today. You can follow Danielle at Danielle Prescott on Instagram and on TikTok at Danielle Prescott7. Welcome, welcome, Danielle. Welcome. So excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, group chat. 
If you're like me, holidays are the happiest and most hectic time of your year. So take some of the stress out of getting dressed for dinners, office parties, family events, and more this holiday season with Newly, a monthly clothing rental subscription. Now, Chelsea Shade and I have been loving Newly for the past few months, and I'm going to tell you why. With your Newly subscription, every Newly subscription includes your choice of any six styles you want to rent each month. You choose whatever you want for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. With your subscription, you get access to thousands of styles from more than 300 brands, including Farm Rio, Lisa Says Ga, Free People, Anthropology, and more. Plus, newly stocked styles in a range of sizes from petite to plus size to maternity. With Newly, you can count on fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. That means no laundry for you to worry about. And you have the option to buy what you love, sometimes up to 70% off. I just did in my last rental, I had two pieces I kept wearing over and over. And I was like, you know what? You need to own these. And I bought them and it was that easy. They were already a part of my shipment. So I just kept them at home with me and I sent the rest of the stuff back. And now I've added these amazing pieces to my closet that I can wear all the time. But the cool thing about Newly in general is that it's designed to give you everything you need to get inspired, get creative, and explore your style. You can check out new trends, silhouettes, and sizes without any commitment. So you can free your closet of the only wore it once impulse purchases and the buyer's remorse by renting them instead. It really allows you to keep it fresh, you know? So here's why now is the perfect time to try Newly. With the holidays coming up, Newly is the place to get all of your looks out of the way in one go. With six items to choose from and the option to add two bonus items, you can get Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, the office holiday party, Christmas, New Year, and any other event you have coming up covered with just one bag. Plus, new this holiday season, you can gift one, two, or three months of Newly through the gifting platform Goody. So you can share some fab fashions with your besties in your group chat. I'm literally going to do this for my secret Santa. Newly is already a great value at $88 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BGT20. So just go to N-U-U-L-Y dot com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code BGT20 at sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code BGT20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. So jumping right in with the book, Token Black Girl, can you set the foundation for this conversation by just defining what a token Black girl is? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess I can define it how I define, how you define it. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I think that some people might have their own opinions of it. Like, I think what's been kind of surprising, this is a little tangent, is that some people have like a negative connotation with the term. So they mm-hmm. don't like that it's the title of the book. Um, but I made it the title of the book because I feel like it's empowering. It's um, basically the idea of a token whatever person, but in this, my case, it's a Black 
girl, um, is that when there is no ethnic variety, no racial variety in a group or specifically within institutions, there is this propping up of a singular person of color as this beacon of diversity to prove for optic's sake that the organization or the institution is not racist because it welcomes people. But it's more like being a pet than it is being a full person. So it sometimes puts people in uncomfortable positions. For me, Mm I was kind of indoctrinated into it in childhood by nature of the schools that I went to being largely white schools. Um, And so I was tokenized by being photographed and put on the brochure of my school or on the website. And it was like, I never asked for that responsibility. No one ever asked me how I was doing, how I was faring, but, you know, it signaled to the outside world, look, we have a black girl that goes to school here and she plays amongst all the white girls. So everything's fine. Welcome Mm. your child to this utopia. You know what I mean? And so it really, um, it really strips the tokenized person of their agency, of their power, of their humanity, because they're not able to access anything um, outside of their image. I also love that you like said that it's your definition of token black girl, because the group chat was buzzing after as we were reading this book, it would be like, oh my God, are you at this part? Are you at this part? Are you at that part? And we've all, I think we've all had an experience of being tokenized, being the only, whether it be at school, mm-hmm. work, et cetera, maybe not having the language in those moments to mm-hmm. stand up for ourselves. But mm-hmm. it's so true. All of the experiences while they share share things, they're also like so different. Like your experience of living, live coming from Greenwich and going to that school, my experience of being from Brooklyn and going to boarding school, you know, similarities and differences. So I love that you like describe that there's, what is it? There's not, we're not a monolith, the token yeah. black girl. <laughs> No, yes, it's so true. Like not even within this like subset of blackness, like is it all the same? And I hope that there's more space opened up for people to like claim their own stories and be able to talk about things that happen to them to know that, you know, your position and your perspective is valuable too. Like just because I wrote this book called Token Black Girl doesn't mean I am the token black girl, which I think is been a really nice kind of byproduct of writing the book that it's grown this community accidentally of people that in some cases didn't even realize it you know they're like I didn't realize that's what was happening to me or I didn't realize that that's what it's called right yeah I want to talk more about your childhood and where like a lot of so I think a lot of this book is also about your quest for belonging and some misconceptions that you had about your identity and your value and worth as a Black person and um, a lot of times like coveting whiteness and upholding whiteness as the as something to aspire towards. Um, and there were just moments and another one that came up in our group chat was this instance when you were very young. I can't remember what grade exactly, but you drew yourself as a white girl when you were asked to draw a portrait of yourself. And I personally was so surprised at how like the adults in your life seemed to receive it. And you said that like people kind of take it as like a joke in your family now. Um, I'm just curious about kind of how your parents raised you. I know that you said they also raised you to to um, to be colorblind, and maybe how all of those things might have influenced your 
sense of self as a Black child? I think what's really kind of frustrating about writing a memoir is that I can only write from my own experience. I'm not a parent. I don't have children. Um, but I was a child and now I'm an adult. So I can only reflect on my perspective on things of like when I was a child. And so I can't critique what my parents chose to do or didn't do for me in those moments, because, you know, I, I don't believe that there was malicious intent. I don't, I didn't write this to be like, I was abused. And this is what I talk about in therapy. Like my parents did not reinforce enough that, you know, it was amazing to be black. And so I think it's challenging for people to um, imagine what that's like. But I also think that like, if you ever watch like adults deal with a, a surprising instance from a child, like I don't know, a six-year-old, like, where do babies come from? And the adult panics and they go, the stork. And it's like, (laughs) you know, that's not true. But like, that's how that stuff ends up snowballing out of control. And the kid's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then never ask the question again. And the parent is like, oh no, do I have to explain to them? Like, that's not actually where babies come from. When's appropriate to like, talk about biology? When do I like start talking about intercourse? When do I use proper body terms? All of those things, you know, is up to the individual parent and family. And mm-hmm. from my perspective, I think my parents were like, she'll turn out okay. They're not necessarily emotional or sentimental people. So I have asked them like over the years about things, but because like I'm a writer, I romanticize my whole life. Like a lot of this stuff was like written in my Same diary. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I'm so I'm like, I was the main character at nine years old. Like there's a diary entry that says the world was against me today. Like what was I writing? Uh, the you drama, know? the drama. I, I also a true wonder, Leo. I wonder like, because yeah, you were having your experience as a token, but like in a way, so is your mom. So is your dad. Like they were in oh, raising totally. kids in this very white area. Have you ever talked to them about their experiences as tokens? And that's the thing though, my parents, like, again, they're not emotional. So they just kind of like, they're very like shut down about like, yeah, that happened. But like, it's all good now. Like they don't really like reflect as much. I mean, they're also like older. My parents are in their seventies. Like they're not like thinking in that way. Like what did this action mean? Mm -hmm. I I can't explain it, but it's just like, no, I get it. Like, yeah, I get generation. I, just, I think that, you know, they did their best. Um, I think that when all is said and done, we still have a very close relationship. This is not something that to me indicated that they didn't love me or that I should be loved any less. I think they didn't really know what to do and I didn't really know what to do. And mm-hmm. sometimes what's really frustrating about Blackness in America is like the expectation that you just know better, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you just have this like sense mm-hmm. of, this complete sense of history, this complete sense of like cultural understanding. I think that's a really impossible benchmark for anyone to achieve. So like, I know, like, I'm like, I was raised in PWI. So if white people are talking about, oh, we don't know how to be allies. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And then they look at me and I'm like, hello, I'm in your same school. Like it's not (laughs) here. So how am I supposed to know? And Mm -hmm. my parents as well, like they each went to PWIs like their whole life. I don't think that it was, you know, really something that they were conscious of mm-hmm. taking from me. I yeah, think that yeah. they were just trying to be like, they'll figure it out. 
Yeah. How did that dynamic work with your grandpa who was like trying to show you the slave ship picture all the time? <laughs> like, like what was, I think that experience from having this grandfather who seemingly like per how you wrote in the book was really trying to be like, remember where we came from, remember these things about us. And then being like the only black person and in the environment. And those encounters were scary for you too you wrote about yeah because he was just so intense and also like the stories were just so brutal and violent and I was just like terrified all the time um I was I was truly terrified that someone was going to kidnap me and make me a slave like that's really like what I thought would happen to me so I was like I don't want to hear about it and I also think that contributes to my reluctance to like hear anything I was very shut down so you could have told me stuff and I was like I don't I'm not hearing it. It's not reaching me, you know? And I was very like frustrated with that because he would teach us these lessons. And I'm like, this is not in school. I do not need to know this for a test. Like, why do I Mm. have to do more school outside of school? Like no one else is having to do this. Um, It's incredibly frustrating. And I think, you know, it was one of those things. My parents were like, first of all, let them go be watched by their grandparents because my sister and I are so close in age. Like they're like, they're maniacs. So that was like a break for them. And it was a generational thing. Like, you know, let the grandparents like say what they're going to say to them. And my parents were handling it in their own way. They had white dolls. Like that was a rule. Like we, we, we always, my parents went out of their way to find books with black protagonists for us. And there wasn't a lot in the nineties. Um, and so I think that in their little ways, they tried without having the kind of explicit conversation until like much later when I was 16, 16, 15, 16, they were like, your future matters more. Now you can't be doing the same things that your white friends do essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just curious really quickly. You dedicated the book to your grandparents. Was that the grandparent that would show you the portrait, the the picture. Yes, those are okay. the, that was that grandparent. Um, it's also because um, my grandma and I used to have a little book club, and it was just us. So she like got into reading Harry Potter because I read Harry Potter. She read all V.C. Andrews books with me. So she, my poor That's grandma so was sweet. reading only like YA books with just me. That's so That's cute. So cute. I wonder I like that. knowing like your experience and and like honestly some parts of the book I was reading it and I was like I feel terrible for her that she had to experience that. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you went through, would you raise your kid in a white neighborhood? Wow, that's such a good question and no one's ever asked me that before. Could I raise my kid in a white neighborhood? Well, I don't know if I'm having kids. That's <laughs> I want to. But what about the egg freezing? I thought you got your eggs frozen. I did freeze my eggs, but guys, I'm terrified to like have a kid by myself like I'm already stressed out taking care of me and I don't even do a good job of that (laughs) so I think all the time if I don't get a partner I don't think I'm gonna be able to use the eggs like I think it would be unless unless you know I sell a lot a lot of books I become like as famous and wealthy as Mindy Kaling then hello single motherhood I can't wait but like right right okay so are are you gonna be a single mom in a white neighborhood Um, I'm like I want to hear this because I think about it in terms of like schooling and all that stuff yes yes I think it depends on where I live right now I currently live in New Orleans which is a very black city I live in the French Quarter um, in a luxury apartment building it is like a, a big mix of 
all kinds of people. In New York City, though, I lived in Manhattan and I was at some points the only Black person who was living in my building for sure. I lived mm-hmm. on the Upper East Side. So it's like I have had now both experiences. However, now that I stay in New Orleans and Louisiana, I likely will send my private school because in Louisiana, the education system scares me. Um, and I think the only way to ensure they're getting a caliber and quality of education that I would expect, I would have to go private. If I was raising my child somewhere else, like New York City, I would certainly look into options like of schools in like Brooklyn, um, Queens, like more diverse neighborhoods, um, probably not a Fifth Avenue right it's like such a confusing concept like I have a niece and she just started at Packer which if you know anything about New York it's like you know one of those private independent schools Mm -hmm. and it's like she's so bright and it's so great that she got this full scholarship but what is all the social emotional shit that she's going to go through that I know firsthand and I know it's coming for her so it's like that catch 22 I know that's also really hard too because I'm like like you said, it's so competitive to get into them. So then I'm like, yeah, if my kid does get into avenues, am I going to rob them of a chance to go to this like incredible school? Like, I really, I don't know like what I would do. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a crazy world. Like, I think I'm personally grateful for my education, despite everything that happened. You know, I also don't consider myself to be, um, I don't know. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm not, um, traumatized to the point. Like there are certain people who come out of like prep schools who are traumatized. Yeah, They mm-hmm. never go back. They never talk about it and horrible things, um, happen to them. I don't feel like that reflects my experience. Um, so I think I would consider it for the individual child, like see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would just have to really be equipped with those tools of like understanding themselves. And I don't know, it's tricky. Uh, Chelsea and I also taught in um, private schools. And yeah, special attention yeah. needs to be paid to black it's tricky, And I exactly. also think that's why I'm invested to in like, helping to shift institutions and what they are doing to protect students of color in their community um, because I don't think that they're doing enough Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to rob a kid from an experience of thriving at a school that could serve his academic needs but also harm him emotionally or psychologically totally yeah yeah. I want to talk more about the social dynamics actually in your schooling because it seemed like in some instances you didn't like dislike being the token it felt mm-hmm. like you kind of liked your position. And then there were mm-hmm. also instances where you said that not only did you want to fit in with the white kids, but you wanted to feel superior to them. Yeah. So I think a, a byproduct of tokenization is like scarcity mindset. So it kind of like makes you think you can be the only one, you should be the only one. It's dangerous if there's more than one, which is why the epigraph in the beginning of the book is from a Malcolm X speech from May of 1962, where he's basically like, who taught you to hate who you are, like how you look, 
and your fellow people, because who is actually served by you not being able to relate to other people in your community. Only white supremacy is served by you're harmed by it. Other black people are harmed by it. The only people who benefit from that are white people. So um, that's that's my thought number one on that. And um, yeah, in terms of like fitting in or being superior, I think that um, at least a lot of the media that I kind of consumed was like, what happens when someone is a quote unquote victim of racism? Like they behave a certain way, their uh, response is a certain way in order to have like a disnified outcome. Like now everyone sees that like that attitude is wrong. So we can kumbaya and, you know, everyone can apologize and we can move the story along. But I feel that sometimes if you have a certain amount of anger that you are channeling, like it can like unleash on other people. Um, And that's what I did. I was like, I'm so I was so angry like all the time, but I didn't have the ability to access my anger. So I was like really mean as like a middle schooler, a high schooler. Um, I would say I was also hangry. If you guys know what that means, like hungry and angry. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that commercial that's like, you need a Snickers. I always yes. constantly need a Snickers because I never ate anything. Well, yeah, that is also a big topic in the book. I want to get into both of those things, the mean girl idea and the body image. Mm-hmm. Um, the mean girl thing was really fascinating to me. And we were talking about this instance earlier where you have this scene where like this white girl was talking about her leggings and if she should go change. Kristen, Kristen, I wanted to slap her. <laughs> I think, oh yeah, it's in college. Her name's Elise, Elise. or her fake name. I, I changed everyone's <laughs> name in the book in case you're wondering. Okay, I, uh, yeah. But you said I'm that like, like you you wanted to like clap back at her, have a mean moment with her because she didn't deserve to have. Well, you were kind of upset that she got to show the an emotion of weakness that you felt like was not afforded to you as a black mm. person. Yes, it, it made me so resentful. I really, I always hated when people were like able to be so publicly vulnerable. Like you know, she was able to be like, I'm not sure if I should wear this, and like seek out the approval of the group. Whereas like, I feel like as the token black person, the group is not really equipped to like evaluate, like whether or not you look good because they're so influenced by white supremacy. And oftentimes like you will be overlooked, you will be picked last, you will be dismissed, rejected, et cetera. So um, in that instance, I'm just like, I'm essentially so jealous that like she gets to feel this way and then everyone else is supporting her. So I was just like, enough, like you shouldn't wear these leggings. They look dumb, you know? And she was so like hurt by it and like shocked by it. And did it make you feel good when you were mean to people? Did it give you like satisfaction? It didn't necessarily make me feel good, but it made me feel powerful, Mm -hmm. which was very important to me. Cause like I said, I just felt like I had no um, agency. So it made me feel like I was in control. Like I get to like, steer this ship the way I want to yeah I completely get the the mean girl navigating when you're in very white spaces like I went to a public school that was like 
very black and mm-hmm. when we would get into it we would fight i fought mm-hmm. from kindergarten to fifth grade i was fighting mm-hmm. everybody i was like oh you have a problem okay cool and we would like fight and then i went to my private school and i was like they have a problem so we're fighting and they were like freaking out my mom was like you're gonna get kicked out of the school like what are you doing you cannot fight here this is ridiculous like really went crazy I think that year I was supposed to go to like Disney or something and she was like you're not gonna go to Disney and I was like damn I can't fight I'm gonna miss Disney yeah. and I kid you not in maybe weeks I learned the game I was like oh this is psychological oh. And emotional yes. warfare <laughs> like this is how we're doing it we're not using our hands like we're using our minds and our words and I was terrible but like it's, it's a whole <laughs> no it's a whole different world of navigating it's like people yeah. are it's they more psychological warfare it's not it is. um and yeah. you talk about that in the book too and we've seen it in like mean girls like we see yeah. the, mean, the mean white girl trope but I'm not gonna lie when I was reading the book and there were scenes or like stories of you being mean to a white girl probably my own bias I was like yes get them back get them back probably <sighs> not nice Me too but in my own experience because as I mentioned I went to boarding school um very white dropped in there from a girl from Flatbush Brooklyn mm-hmm. some of the black girls with money were like worse than the white girls to me you know like to other black women and you kind of you kind of alluded to it I know you talked about reading a story about this uh black girl from the Bronx and like you Mm -hmm. could not relate to her and all you know the story was pretty terrible can you speak to that part of your experience at all and class I think specifically is important to consider here yeah yeah so um yes I think that this well I think that the the mean girl black on black crime (laughs) like I say that as a joke I don't actually think that there's black on black crime um I just need to clarify that. Yeah. So um, I think that, that again, that like results from like scarcity mindset. I think I also had like trouble with the girls who were like older and black above me at school. I always wanted them to like me and there was so much tension and friction and we never got along. And it's like a huge regret of mine that the school did not cultivate a space where we could like be together. Where like, it was safe for us to like exist in a friendly way because they did that for every other thing, every team or like, or class, you know, peer advisory group had team building activities and like retreats and stuff. They would go on where they would bond and like, there's nothing offered like that for students of color, especially black girls, I think it would have helped them tremendously. Um, And as for me, like, I feel like when I was growing up, the thing that was so linked to blackness was poverty. Um, And it was linked in popular media. It was linked in news stories. I mean, it was just like, this is the narrative that is, you know, being put out there. But I did not feel like I could relate to that experience. And like, we always had food. We had a lot of things. We had a house, we had cars, you know? So I was like, I don't understand that aspect of it. And that also made me feel, and some other people made me feel that that was something that was made me not black. Like black people would be like, oh, you're not black. 
because, you know, your dad drives a Mercedes. That doesn't happen. But I knew, you know, kids, I'm not black because of these things. Then I'm also being told by white kids, I'm also not black because they don't understand a black person who's not poor. So it really is just like a confusing space to live in because again, I know I'm not white, but everyone's now telling me I'm not black, which is, I think, just confusing. Um, So I didn't really know how to handle it. And I think for a long time, having that financial privilege made me deny that anything like bad happened to me because I was like, well, you know, you can only be, you you only get to write a memoir if you have a really sad story. Like no one's going to feel bad for you. You don't get to complain about anything. Everyone would always just say, you're so lucky. You're so lucky you went to that school. You're so lucky your parents are together. You're so lucky you have this house. You're so lucky you go on vacation. So I just hear this and I'm like, yeah, I don't get to feel bad ever. Interesting. And like you are invalidated because the trope of a struggling black person looks very different than you, even though you were kind of navigating and struggling in your own way. Yeah. That's really kind of like a mind fuck. It's it's a mind fuck. And I empathize with it, but I also would like to say that like, I don't know, for me, it's also like, I don't know. I feel like being black in America is just such a, it's like being fucking schizophrenic kind of, but it's like, it is, it's, it is tough, but it's also like, I don't know. I have so many thoughts right now. Like the idea of, Okay, but at least you didn't. I don't. I'm gonna gather my thoughts. <laughs> gather yourself. Girl. It's so, no, it's so, gather yourself. so it's iOS really it. So layered. It's so yeah. complicated and layered. Like I, like you and I, we had a DM exchange. I don't even know if you remember, but I was like getting, like moving into the fashion industry, and we were talking about like networking and like black women not always having those networks. And I think sometimes black women who come from more um, access maybe don't always recognize what other black people are dealing with if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but then again it's like is it their job to recognize it but then again it's like well yeah is it their job to recognize it we're we're kind of a community so it's it's very confusing to be black in this country yeah I think that's like also like really tricky because again it like adds another level of like labor for you to do um I think it's especially like within fashion there was like a lot of criticism over like the late Andre Leon Talley. A lot of people like, um, you know, after he died, were like, well, he never helped anybody. Like that was really wrong and blah, blah. Mm. You know, they were just really critical of him. And I just, I mean, I, he, he wrote two books, um, the memoir on the later half of his life. I was like, this man was struggling so deeply, like with his physical health, with his mental health, he like wrote that he, you know, never felt love. Like, I just was like, it was to me, one of those things that's like, how can you help someone with their oxygen mask and yours isn't on? And I think sometimes that's like something that is really hard about these jobs that look so fun and so glamorous. It's like, why aren't you helping more people? But I'm like, it looks so fun, so glamorous and I'm drowning. I'm so miserable. I would tell people, I'm like, I don't want you to get this job because I care about you. This sucks run away like you know but it's like there's only certain people you feel comfortable even saying that to um and so I think I don't know what the answer is like I know what like my personal capacity for helping people is I try my best uh to do what I can but I don't know like I can't feel 
so responsible and so guilty, like for every little thing, like all the time, it's really, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And I don't think that uh, like white women feel that like ever. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that honestly, that's why reading the book was so good, at least for me and like everyone I was DMing because it, it was like, okay, we're understanding like another perspective and like someone else's experience and a little like that vulnerability which I'm sure was extremely scary to write like was that scary for you to be that vulnerable in this book and were you afraid of judgment yeah oh totally I was totally afraid of the judgment you was calling people out like that one that company but she said that like she pulled out the fucking AK-47 at the end of the book I didn't know the quote about John Mayer. Now I can't. Me either. And Haley Baldwin. Oh, yeah. You see? It's like, it's crazy how, like, almost a conspiracy to, like, get them, like, scrubbed away. But again, like, then you don't know how damaging it is when, like, a brand is like, hey, we're going to a John Mayer concert. And your boss is like, that's an advertiser. Get your ass to Madison Square Garden. Like, that is really heavy, like, over years and years and years and years and years of, like, having to continuously interact with people who you know are saying and doing horribly racist stuff. I, and we, we, we've said we want to do an episode on this and we still don't know what it is. I feel like there is something to the black fashion girl. Like, Mm. unfortunately in the past, I think it's way better now, but I'd say like five, 10 years ago, it felt like there could only be like one black girl per like publication. If that and oh, then it, or it's, like, like, it's like a black woman group that's like locked locked in within this group that's already locked and I imagine a lot of women in that space had maybe like similar experiences to you where they were like tokenized so now they're all in this kind of like I listen I gotta eat this is like scarcity mindset and then you bring that all together in this super toxic environment that is the fashion space and it's just like a toxic soup it's like and I think people are getting way better you know we see stuff like black and fashion council love Sandrine love the work that Lindsay's doing there but like did you even feel like something like that could have existed when you were really in the space because now everyone's like we're black we're brown yay but at the but before it was getting like but let's be honest we there's only one of us it still still has its issues and we no it still has its issues like some gatekeeping yeah there's still gatekeeping for sure okay guys let's keep it real don't be fake on this on the episode no i'm definitely saying that it's problematic what i'm trying to get from from the question is like did you even envision that that could have happened because that is like where we are now and it's still shit it's progress from where we were before for sure um okay I have a question for y'all after I answer this question yeah I'm like she's like what the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) this is a group chat it's a group chat (laughs) it's really fun so to answer the question no I did not ever think that it was like kind of like a weird like secret sisterhood like it was almost like a whisper yes you know for a while um, and then I think slowly, but surely like one person gets a little bit braver and then another person gets a little bit braver okay. because you see that like, you are not going to get fired or like something is not going to like, ha- you get enough power to be able to be like, okay, it's it, it, nothing is go- like, I think that was a true fear for a lot of people that like they would lose their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like an imagined fear. Like, I think that I did certain- lose mine. Hmm? I said I did lose mine when I spoke up to yeah. my white boss. 
hello, it happens all the time. So, and if you work so hard to get there, like years of interning, years of struggling, like working for free, it's like, sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut. But I think that now we're definitely in a space where I never thought like in 2012, if you told me we would have had like a shut down a restaurant with a black and fashion council dinner, I'd be like, you're lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know like how you guys think like there, like what gatekeeping you guys think exists, particularly in fashion. There definitely still is like an air of like, like it's like supremacy feels like a harsh word because I think white supremacy and I don't think it's that deep, but there's definitely like still this air of like, it's fashion, like you know, the right it's, kind of it's like girl. a girl. Yeah, and yeah. the same girls and the same faces, the same kind get of the same girl. opportunity, or get all the opportunities. It feels like that are at all the things. It feels a little. It's like the same ten. exclusionary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? I do want to challenge that in terms of the same girl. Um, in terms of like what they look like, because I feel like before oh, everyone had true. to be like thin, look kind of white, talk quote unquote white. I think that's changed. But yeah, it definitely feels like it's still very someone has to let you in and and we talk about that too like the idea of like being black with privilege like everyone on this call has a certain level of privilege like mm-hmm. I know me I'm I'm like a light-skinned girl like mm-hmm. I know that comes with something like so mm-hmm. how do you feel about that word because I feel like being black it's kind of like oh don't tell me I have privilege because I'm black yeah. but like Oh yeah. I feel neutral about it. I think that, like you said, everyone has a certain level of privilege, like being able to like, like speak my interior thoughts. That's a privilege. Being able to walk is a privilege. Like, and I understand these things, like there are mm-hmm. people who cannot do those. So I feel privileged in that way. So I don't, and I understand it. It's not, uh, I, to me, it, it's like the problem is abuse of privilege, not having privilege itself like if all walking people took out you know um wheelchair ramps and like made every single building um only accessible by stair that's evil that's an abuse of privilege mm-hmm. and that is essentially like what white supremacy sets up a structure to do um mm. and that's why like people are still like adverse to the concept of privilege but like you can occupy a marginalized reality and a privileged reality at the same time like it's possible and I just don't yeah don't get about that I think that there's a lot of work to be done like amongst black women frankly where like there's a lot of people who have to get out of the scarcity mindset there's a lot of conversations that need to be had about like learned behaviors that you probably unfortunately are getting from white women that you then healing that you then go and execute on other black women um but it's hard to be like super critical at the same time because like Chelsea had said like you peel off the layers or you're talking about Andre Talley like you peel off the layers and you're like oh this person was hurting and that's the thing I think we really have to remember like we're all human at the end of the day and like I think especially when it comes to like other black women I'm always like it's worth it to have a conversation for Mm. me like I mean I even did like some apologizing like when I was like writing the book I was like there's some people I have to say sorry to you know um and I think that I'm better for it I think that our relationships are better for it how did you get to that like reflective space though like because I feel like sometimes when you're I don't want to say doing wrong but yeah it was 
kind of fucked up some things. Like, how do you then, like, in that moment, do you know, like, this was wrong, but I did it anyways. And now I need to go and like, apologize. In the moment, no way. Like, I mean, it's like, there's nothing like, like, like being a digital editor and like your weekends are occupied. You're out. As soon as you open your eyes, you're on Slack. Like, I'm like, my life was like hell (laughs) for so Mm -hmm. many years. Like there was not even time to like really like think about um, stuff like on that level. And I think that's why also the media industry is suffering because people are not even able to be people. Like th- mm. that's why some of these like news headlines are so harsh or like, touch. horrible stuff takes place and people are out there recording with their phones instead of like helping the individual because like, I don't know, like something is broken in us. So I think like once you like start healing that part of you, it opens you up to then be able to be like, oh, wow, I probably should reflect and apologize on this. Because when I wrote the book, I was like, I don't want to sit here and be like, woe is me. Like all these bad things happened to me. Like black people didn't like me. And I was like, yeah, that's like a cop out though. Like I have to say, if I'm meeting children who can like sniff out essentially that I am operationally in service to white supremacy, Mm. it's going to be threatening to them. And we're going to have a conflict. Like, and of course, children don't have that vocabulary and language, but like now I can say that. So it would be inauthentic of me to be like, yeah, like I was bullied, you know, without being like, here's the things at work. Cause I tried to be like, here were the things at work when I was acting out of my character or in a way that I found was defensive, um, you know, outward towards other people. Yeah. I, I want to just quickly, just like quickly jump into beauty because yeah. you talked about like all the pain you would go through with beauty. Even, even like the thong thing. I was like, girl with the extra small, I was like, I know that was painful. Um, relatable and relatable content. You were doing that too, Glenn? Well, I I wore thongs at young young age, thinking with I was big, cute. With your big booty, and it <laughs> poked out one day, and my whole school saw it, and then it was like a uh, whole thing. It wasn't it a rainy moment. moment. No, Glenn was Glenn is in a thong. Oh, oh. <laughs> and so the thong moment that was like I was like I know that was painful, and the the um not texturized the hair relaxer relaxer just sitting Mm -hmm. there like trying to get it as straight as possible all of these things like your relationship to beauty can you talk about it then and now and I also want to know what you would say to little young Danielle about her beauty um Okay. So yes, I always thought like you had to suffer for beauty. You know, that isn't that like a saying too, like pain is beauty, beauty is pain or whatever. Yeah, beauty is pain. People keep saying that. So like, yeah, I was like, okay, so yeah, these things hurt. Like high heels hurt, like thongs hurt, your hair hurts. Like, it's just like the way it is, you know? And I didn't know that like life could be different. I really thought like you got to like suffer for everything. But I also feel like that's, related to like capitalism and hard work and like all of like those things intersect to like produce that kind of mindset um and it was just reinforced for me so I rose to the occasion every time I could um and it made me in a lot of ways like feel like I was in control because I was very interested in becoming Mm. as empty of a vessel as I could which is like why it felt like such a relief to like not eat I was like if everyone's going to project what they want me to do onto me and how they want me to behave and what they want me to say and how they want me to dress like it's easy to just be empty and then I can you know 
float around and it's less painful. And where I could take control is like, I'm like, no, I want my hair to look this way. I want to wear this. I want to eat this or not eat this. That made me feel like powerful, like I guess in a way. Um, so yeah, I always thought I would suffer for beauty. And as for like little Danielle, I'm very invested now in like working with, um, young girls because I think that now I, I mean, I'm super conscious of the way that like all of these companies exist to like make you consumers and your insecurities benefit a lot of people financially, but so much of this stuff is made up. Like, first of all, white supremacy is made up. It's literally fake. It's just as crazy as the people being like birds aren't real, like same (laughs) level. Um, And for, and beauty is subjective. Like it looks different. Yeah many cultures it looks different all over the world like it looks different to you like and you know I think that reminding people that not everyone is the same like I think it one one like aha moment I had like an eating disorder recovery is like I had a doctor who was like you could have identical twins they could have the same diet the same exercise routine and still end up with different bodies like as adults like it is just what happens. Like you don't need to look exactly like your sister. You don't need to look exactly like this person. It is okay like to be who you are. And I think emphasizing that for young people is like really good. I hope they're getting that message that it's like okay to be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that the because the standard was associated with a beauty standard of whiteness that it like was like a double down or do you think that just at that time, it kind of was what it was like, what you were seeing, you talk, you opened the book talking about that magazine cover and how mm-hmm. all those like teen girls that everyone wanted to be like, that's In what it was. Blondes. Yeah. Cause when yeah. you, even when you were talking about your butt, like growing, I was like, she was sad about her butt growing. I remember putting on extra shorts so that it looked like my butt was bigger. Like everybody, no, when my butt started yeah. growing, I was terrified. But that's wow. just because I was getting a lot of attention for it, and it was like, yeah, that's like was what like also was scary. Yeah, like the attention you're getting too, and you're like, I don't want this, but I can't control it. Again, like if if I can control something, I'm like, I want to do that. And now people are paying. Yeah. I know. I know. It's really disturbing. With this new embrace and kind of understanding you have around beauty, you also talk a lot in the book that you were trying to deny your Blackness. And I'm curious how you've come to embrace your Blackness now and what even that means. Because we you touched on that earlier that it's, it's Blackness can be hard to define or it can be defined yeah. in different ways. It can. Yeah. And I think like, um, one thing that really helped me was like working at BT because I had such a fear of like going into that environment because I was like everyone's gonna it's gonna be like when I was little they're gonna be like you're not really black you don't deserve to work here you know and actually like it was fine because we were all united in like our singular mission to like bring black culture to our audience like and as big as the audience was we had an audience in the bible belt like who loves to watch like Tyler Perry dramas. We have like an, a coastal audience who loves to watch musical biopics. We have like, you know, mm. a younger audience who loves to watch YouTube. Like everyone had their own like kind of like space to like exist in. And we were all black. It was all kinds of versions of blackness. And it's kind of like the beauty of being an adult. Like actually no one cares. 
as much as you, you think that they might. Um, and so that was really like freeing for me. And I would also say like finding like other women to talk to who can relate about this. One thing that's really common for like people who have eating disorders, is keeping a lot of secrets. And now that the book is out, I feel like a lot of relief because I'm like, I don't have these like secrets anymore, but it also has given other people the opportunity to be like, oh, I also felt like that. Um, and I'm not ashamed anymore. And like, thank you so much for like putting a voice to that because like some of these things are shameful. Like people are like, oh my gosh, like, how did you say that? You know, how could you say like, you didn't want to be black? And I'm like, yes, but I was ashamed at the time. I'm like writing about a growth experience, but it would be really, um, disingenuous if I cut that part out, if I just made it seem like, no, Mm -hmm. I, I always have been 34 and conscious. Like, no, I had to like get here. Yeah. Yeah. That's super valid. And I think that to your point of it, just like people being able to relate, like for all the people who might be criticizing you for them to sit and reflect on their moments. Like I don't, I can't speak for everyone else, but I've had colorist thoughts. I've had anti-black thoughts. I have had all of it, you know, and everyone navigates it very differently. Your environment like really is either going to like amplify and, or what's the word? What's the, what's the antithesis of that? Oh Oh, yeah. I don't want to say decrease, shrink, (laughs) shrink, right. Isn't here. So that helps shrink those sentiments, but like we've all gone through this. And Mm -hmm. so you know, I think we, you, everyone was able to kind of have those moments when we were reading the book, like, yeah, damn, I had that same shit happen to me. And it's yeah. not our fault. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's just like a part of growth and like, hopefully everyone's quest is to become a better person and like be the best person you can. Like I'm reflecting on college, which is embarrassing, but I was in Kappa Kappa Gamma and my experiences with like the all black the same. I know, I know. (laughs) My experience with the, (laughs) to be fair, the black girls in KKG made their own like little sorority. But anyways, um, there were four of us. Um, We, I remember we would have like, um, what is it called when the uh, BSU meetings and like, I feel like I would say things and then like, be like, that was so fucking stupid. Why did I say that? And it was just like me being enthralled in this, like such a white environment. And you're just trying to fit in. Cause you're just like young and like, just trying to live. Like you want to have a college experience. You just, you don't want all the heavy shit. Um, but I'm like, if I were who I am now back in college, it would be so different, you know? So different. You probably, so, you might not have even gone there. I would right. I would have never she went there not. at white ass school. Where did yeah. you go? Colgate University. <laughs> and every yeah. day on Yik Yak, it was the black the hot black girl. That's what I had to read every day. Like cute for a black girl. A black girl. Yeah. <laughs> like was, Yik Yak was you, fucking. Do you remember toxic. Yik Yak? Did you have that when you were in college? I didn't have that. I don't think, I mean, I know what it is. I, we didn't really have, we had a message board. It was toxic too. It was so toxic. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. That's a good point too, though. Like, cause you are like coming of age in all these moments and it's just like, yeah, if you were where you were five years ago, you handle things so differently versus how you're handling them now. And well, yeah. I also think too, part of it was the the process of like 
radical self-love, which was again, like my therapist thing. It's like, you really have to be like, I love this person, even though she made this decision. Like, because I, I think, think about like how you are with your family and friends. Like, I don't, my friend came over last night. We were watching Love is Blind. She told me the craziest stuff. I was like, why are you doing this? But I still love her, you know? And I, I was like, you have to give that to yourself too. Like, yeah. I don't know why I, my five-year-old self, like, like I can try to put, you know, research behind like why my five-year-old self drew herself as a white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes, but like, I can't hate her for it. Mm-hmm. That really defeats the purpose of like trying to like actually garnet self-love. Like, so you have to how work you, on it, I guess. How do you think being a token black girl has affected your dating life? Cause I feel like you didn't really go into it that much. Yeah. We got some sprinklings. Yeah. We got a little dating. If you didn't, I think it was, couldn't tell I think they're it nosy. I think Just it would have been real chat. complicated to put in the book um, because I'm still living it. Like I, I'm, I'm mm. still single, you know, I don't really have like um, a perfect like answer or like way to like reflect on it properly. I mean, I guess I have a large data set at this point, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but I you know I have like more clarity like I can write about high school and college because it's been years since that but I'm like I'm kind of still in it and in the last year I also moved um states completely which was like a total surprise um in terms of like how like I am navigating like the dating scene so the things I'll say is it definitely like gave me very low self-esteem like with men I always just like I guess, quote, unquote, I hate this like term, but I don't know a better term to use like friend zone, you know, yourself or like mm-hmm. friend zone them. I don't think that's like really a thing, but I guess I have, I, I think I, I think it's a thing maybe though. subconsciously put off like friendly energy so that I don't have to be vulnerable and be like, Oh, I maybe like this person or like, I'm sipping a toe out, out here to be like, I'm interested in you yeah, as a way of protecting myself from being rejected. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. 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 <sighs> There's this, there's this tweet and it's like, and I don't know if you guys can relate, but it's like, you're not ugly. You're just a black girl that went to an all white school. <laughs> like, yes. Like, yeah, really I see it all the time you, on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I, I had, I had an interview with a girl who grew up in um, Omaha, Nebraska. And she was like, no one told me I was pretty until I was in my twenties. Like, wow. And that was like a lot of people's, you know, kind of experience. I know we're coming up on time, but like, what are your thoughts on interracial dating? Um, I've always dated interracially. I don't really, I don't really know why personally I'm like at this age, I would limit the debt, like the, the amount of part of the data set. Yep. I'm already I'm already in trouble because I'm straight. Like I cursed you <laughs> straight. So I already have an issue. I was like, I'm not gonna further like chop it up. I but I've always, I mean, if I if I wasn't open to interracial dating, I would not have like dated anyone until I was like 28 years old, you know? So because you um, it, I guess. wait, does that mean you've never dated a black guy? Until I was 28. Oh, until you're 28. But you weren't in in environments around where you, where you had like a big dating pool of black men, I guess. I did not. Yeah. I mean, I went to NYU, uh, not a lot of men, not a lot of straight men. You got to get yeah, a soul I mean, swipe. I, I had a lot of luck on soul swipe when it first came out. 
I really did. I and was on small flight, but I did not have a lot of luck. I had, I had a lot of luck. Not soul not swipe getting a fr- free promo. <laughs> right. Soul if swipe. it even exists. I don't think it does. I don't think it's, it's around DLK anymore. Now, right? I have a question because both of us share a doctor, even though I no longer go to him. But Dr. Pastler. Oh, yeah. Does he know about this book? I don't know. I mean, I had to, like, it was a really painful breakup. I had to break up with him. And so we don't communicate anymore. For those who didn't read the book, who was Dr. Pastler? Yes, thank you for that uh, segue. Um, So Dr. Pastler is this chiropractor slash nutritionist. He is responsible for like a lot of famous people's diets and bodies. Um, He works a lot with supermodels like Adriana Lima, Bella Hadid, um, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, all of those people. Um, He sees everybody. Like it was like, he has a lot of influence, but um, you know, he had me on more increasingly extreme diets and um, you know, just be like, you should just keep losing more weight. And I just felt like um, in order for me to get healthy, I needed to stop talking to him. Mm, so yeah, it's it's so crazy because I was seeing him too and I lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of people, it did feel good when people were like, oh, you mm. look so good. Like, you look so good. Like, you lost so much weight. Like, you look so good. I'm like, oh, I'm not eating food. <laughs> I'm not eating. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you're and now it's like uh, now, now that I'm on the other side of it, like I've I've gained 70 pounds and it's like I don't hear like compliments like that anymore. It's really hard. It makes me not want to do things. It makes me mm. not want to be in photo shoots. Like I can't fit into samples. Like I just want to like hide all the time. I mean, now I'm in book promo, so I can't be doing that. So it takes like a lot for me to like want to like pump myself up especially in like a fashion space. Like I also moved out of New York city to like kind of get away from that. Cause if you're going to fashion parties every night and everyone's like, Oh, let me dress you. And then you got to like stand next to like, everybody's like super skinny. Like if you're like in, you know, recovery mode, it's like really, really hard. So yeah. Just, well, yeah. we'll tell you, you look great girl. Yeah, you Fuck all that shit. You're glowing. I'm loving yeah, the braids. Really. It's gorgeous. I'm like, you got ass. I would love some of that ass. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on the book and yeah commend you for the honesty and the vulnerability continue to see themselves in this book and thank you for stepping into the group chat yes thanks so much for having me this was like actually so fun i wish (laughs) i got to hear you guys talk more i feel like i talked too much No, no no and you're literally welcome back anytime i'm not gonna lie you are so nice and i i was a little nervous i was like oh my god is she not gonna be nice but you were really nice and like so open and so vulnerable. So we appreciate, yeah. I'm just being honest. As you can tell, I just say whatever yeah. the fuck is on my mind. I love um, it. <laughs> but <laughs> we really appreciate you joining the group chat. It was, thank you. Yeah, thank Please you. We back. love the book. Yeah. Please come back. We can, we can have like a have part so two and just like talk shit and we, have like a good time. Have over a hundred questions. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Not even. Yeah, I, I would love to come back. Half this is like them. the most fun podcast ever. Yes. yes. Maybe we could do oh a live thing too. That would be fun. It's so awesome. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. We got things in the works. We'll chat. Maybe LA. Maybe LA. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but thank you so thank much. You. Is there anything else that you oh, yeah. feel like you want to get off your chest to our listeners or you want to share? Anything coming up where they can find you? Readings? 
Um, I don't know when this is airing, but I will be in LA on the 11th at Soho Works, November 11th, um, and at Reformation on Melrose on November 14th. Oh, I'm going to come. I'm here. I live in LA now. Amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Um, Brooke England is my partner for um, Soho Works. She's my ex-coworker from BT. She's hilarious and very funny and then Brittany Hampton is my partner for um oh awesome reformation one she was famously on the DVF reality show where she was a token black girl so oh yes I forgot about that show I know that was a spicy one well thank you so much for coming thank you so much I really appreciate you having me of course of course and now a word from our sponsors Chances are you aren't sharing an epic dinner with your friends right now, but you could be. Just book a seat at a private dining event with your Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Then get to it. A multi-course menu, insane flavors, a wine pairing. Ooh, is that crispy duck? Experience more unforgettable dinners with private dining events from Sapphire Reserve. Chase, make more of what's yours. Learn more at chase.com slash sapphire reserve. Cards issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You thought today was another routine? You thought today was a walk in the park? Congrats. You played yourself. I'm Alex Toussaint, and today we're drinking Smart Water Alkaline. With 9 plus pH and added electrolytes, it's hydration for your determination. That means no excuses. I don't want to see you just work out. Get out there and outwork. Let's get it, baby. Smart Water Alkaline. We are officially in the holiday season, y'all. It's truly my favorite time of the year. My family always finds ways to spend time with one another during this special season. And whether we're having a game night, which, by the way, I just learned how to play spades, so I will be officially ready this year, or exchanging gifts, or, of course, sharing a meal around the dining table, which is my favorite part, Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together. So enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, an ice-cold Coca-Cola. What would you do? This what would you do is sadly quite timely. Um, but what would you do if you went to karaoke and a white person, not your friend, don't know them, but they were in the mix, says Amelia. Um, I'm going to say, you're a disgusting pig, Karen, and leave. You're leaving the karaoke. And here's the thing. Let me yeah. add a, let's add a little a little extra sasson because I was think, contemplating this topic earlier today. And I remember that I actually went to a karaoke one time when somebody did it. And they just, it slipped out of their mouth, just like slipped out. I'm sorry. If you're white, it doesn't slip out. No, you but know like, not to say the damn word. So imagine though that they're singing it and they double down, like said it, said it, said it, said it. Oh, they kept saying it? Correct. Who is this person? Thrice. A friend Thrice, of a friend bitch. of a friend. Now, so even the slip friend, out was crazy. So three times removed. The slip out was wild too, though, just to like we'll compare scenarios. The slip out was wild. I like I was so taken aback when I heard it. And I realize now that th- that shit is like so embedded. Like I don't I cannot even look at that person the same ever again um and they said oh, like, you know this breath. person yes somebody i know why did it come out of your mouth so easily right so i'm like so you be in the house saying it you wish you could say it 
like very fucking weird. <laughs> Did they run up too. to you and say sorry? No. We oh, were so they karaoke. Don't we were singing karaoke and they were like singing and they just like said no. it under their breath, kind of like and they That's disrespectful. Like, mm-hmm. Actually, I don't think there were, I saw any remorse. Now, in this um hypothetical situation that you just proposed to us, Shade, is there remorse from the person? Is there like a oh my well, god? I would just tell it twice. How it is. This random white bitch came to my karaoke night that I planned and invited my friends. And because Glenn's bitch ass didn't come, right, we didn't have enough people in wow. the room. Brings us back so, to the red from earlier. Correct. Bring us back to the red because, you know, we <laughs> always circle back. And it's Friday night karaoke. So I think people were like, oh, well, you know, people didn't come. So I'm going to invite my friend who then invited their friend. And this bitch really said nigga three times three times triple and down. then my my what kind of white is she friend, i don't know what the fuck white she was i but like an alternative is like giving puerto like rican alternative hipster white no girl. no it's like hipster white girl i don't i didn't get into her heritage white passing so white the craziest thing I've ever and seen. my mixed race friend blacks on her and i'm just there like in shock and also tired because we had been just like, this was the same week we recorded the episode that we recorded this episode. And I was just like, I don't feel like policing yeah, people exhausting. when they make stupid mistakes and they do stupid stuff. I just wanted to come here and sing Olivia Newton-John. And now you're being weird saying nigga. And now you're being weird taking up space. And you're like, I'm going to go. Yeah, bitch, Go. But now the whole vibe is off because now everyone feels bad and they want to coddle the only black person in the room. Right. Oh, they felt bad for her? No, no, no. For, no, no. They felt bad for me. But oh. that makes it even more off. So the girl leaves. a weirder predicament. Right. And now it's just, the vibe is ruined. Do I want to sit here now and, and sing Tony Braxton? No, not no. really. So not how long, really. how much longer did y'all stay? Like, damn, yeah, you can't even really come back from that. We stayed for maybe like an hour more. We're in the but whole like, vibe. Yeah, whole time so everyone was like, let's fucks. try to re-raise the morale. And I had so many songs in my fucking list of things that I wanted to sing. I did didn't the white get woman... into any musicals. Did the white woman pay for the karaoke session? She did. Oh, good. Like for she everyone. Pay for the whole thing. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, yeah, she should have paid, paid for the paid whole thing. For the whole thing. You ruined the whole vibe. You ruined paid for it. the whole session. She should have paid for the whole thing. You're right. I should find her and send her my Venmo. I hope she went home and is thinking about Send that. Send a Venmo. Send a Zell. I just, how? Mm-hmm. Well, your Metro PCS Wi-Fi won't let us know what you think. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck is that. I don't know what you said. drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. I was at my friend's house earlier, and she was like, optimum and best is the worst. And I'm like, exactly. I'm trying to tell these people. It's not just. Me. I'm in a bad. So get Verizon. Why the fuck do you have Optimum? Because I think that only Optimum you can have in this neighborhood. But no, but you have Verizon. That's right? a lie because I have Verizon. All right, I'm calling these. Get on time and get better Wi-Fi. The end. Bye. 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 Listeners, stop saying the N-word when you're singing. If you was doing it. Stop like. saying the N-word. And that brings us back to the book because imagine how many times you are the only black person Correct. in the space and they're over there saying, oh my gosh. Anyways, y'all read the book. It's a great book. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, we are Black Girls Texting on all platforms except for t- twi- 
I was going to say Twitter. Twitter, which <laughs> I don't even know if we want to be on Twitter anymore, but we'll talk about Elon's it. Elon's Twitter. Um, but yeah, so follow us on Patreon. There's some good stuff on there. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.